that's my goal my, is to try to be both emotionally available and to create a life-giving, sustaining home. And with little ones, that's really my focus of ministry. Welcome back to Invited In, a podcast connecting you to the global family of Samaritan's Purse. This coming weekend, as you all know, it is Mother's Day. And so today we wanted to have a special episode to honor our mothers. And if you're hearing this and you're cringing and you're wanting to turn it off because Mother's Day is so painful, I just want to say that I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I know this day is difficult. I know that many of you have lost your mother. You uh, long to be a mother yourself and you can't. Uh, Maybe you have a estranged relationship with your mother or your daughter. And so this day is really painful and difficult. And I'm so sorry. I I don't know what that's like personally. I've walked through and I've prayed with friends who long to be a mother. um, And so my heart just aches for people. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. And I just want to start the episode by praying. Um, Father, I just lift up those that uh, this day is really difficult. This day is painful. It's a they, rem- they remember this every day, but Mother's Day is especially hard. Uh, mothers that um, miss, people that miss their moms, people that long to be a mom and can't be, people that have aborted a baby and think about that baby every single day. Um, I know this day is really difficult and it's painful, Lord. And so, Father, I just pray for them. I pray that you will truly give them a peace that passes understanding, only that you can give. And Father, I know David teaches us how to cry out to you in so many different psalms. And I just want to read Psalm 142. I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Father, I pray that you truly will comfort in a way that only you can. Bring people out of their prison, out of their darkness, out of their sadness. I know you say in Isaiah, out of the darkness, you brought light. And I know you can bring beauty out of ashes. So I pray for comfort. I pray for encouragement today in Jesus' name. So again, I just want to say, I am so sorry. Um, I just want to remind you that God holds you with his righteous right hand. The the same hand that holds you has measured out the waters in the hollows of his hand. I know this day is really heavy for many, and and, and just life in general is heavy. And so I want to read these two scriptures from Isaiah that I just quoted. Uh, Isaiah 40, 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I love Isaiah 40, 10 through 12. See, the Lord comes with strength and his power establishes his rule. His wages are within him and his reward accompanies him. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those who are nursing. 
Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with the span of his hand? I just love those verses, especially the one about gently leading those who have young. So he leads us as mothers. He leads and guides us, and we are not alone in this journey. The same God who measured out the waters in the hollow of his hand, he holds us in the palm of his hand. So again, if this day is hard for you and you're grieving, um, remember God holds you in the palm of his hand. And if you're a mother just struggling with the daily grinds, remember he loves you with an unfailing love. And so today we want to thank our mothers and remind them of the ministry that you're doing. Your calling is so valuable and it has an eternal impact. I know we know that, but sometimes it's hard to remember that on a daily basis in the daily grind. And so the teaching, the discipleship, the encouragement, and the wisdom that you give your children are planting seeds that will be sown and they'll reap a harvest for generations to come. And Lord willing, the most important part is for eternity. And so I know my my grandmother had a plaque in her home by Abraham Lincoln. It was a quote that said, all I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. I try to remember that, you know, I, I hope and I pray that my kids will say that one day, that, that I impacted them. And obviously we know that God, we owe all we ever hope to be to God and to what He's done. But God allows us as moms to be ambassadors for Him, to do daily and holy work every single day. So today, I want to introduce you to Bethany Gilly. Bethany and her family, they serve in Honduras with Samaritan's Purse. Her husband, Nathan, is serving as a post-resident with World Medical Mission, and she is a mother of four kids. And I just love Bethany's transparency, and as she is truly in the trenches of motherhood, the early years, the, the hard and long and challenging days, but yet she is so seasoned with salt and grace and wisdom, and so I know you'll be encouraged hearing from her. My name is Bethany Gilly, um, and my husband is a post-resident with the World Medical Mission um, Samaritan's Purse post-residency program, Um, and we live in Honduras um, at a hospital called Loma de Luz, which means light on a hill, Mm -hmm. and that's what um, this hospital tries to be, is a light to to the community and to Honduras in general. we, I have four children. Um, Elizabeth is six. Lydia is five. Um, Ruth is two. And Hannah is one. Wow. So we have little ones. Yes. And I have my hands full. Yes. <laughs> um, I had Hannah here at the hospital in Honduras, um, which was uh, a little bit fun and a little bit crazy experience. Um, I had a quick labor, and um, so we were gone from the hospital about three hours, away well, we from the house for about three hours. I went into labor. We went down to the hospital. Uh, she was born about an hour later. We stayed around for a couple hours to make sure I wasn't bleeding too much, and we came back up to the house. Um, one of our neighbors watched our sleeping children because it was the middle of the night. And when we woke up the next morning, or they woke up the next morning, we had a baby. Um, so... The combination of of sleep deprivation after a baby, having a new baby, culture shock, because we moved in January and she was born in March and the world shut down in March. Um, At least the the Western part, America did um, in Honduras. So um, all of that together with the heat of the summers here that I wasn't uh, fully 
I guess I didn't realize how much the heat would uh, impact me, how hard it would be, I guess, to um, to just function um, in really hot. (laughs) But uh, God has been teaching me a lot about how to keep a finger on my own um, emotional pulse so that I don't um, say or do things, you know, let my my um, frustration with the way I'm feeling uh, get spewed out on my children or my husband and of you know anyway um so so yeah we've wow. got little ones here and it's been God knew the timing exactly of when we were supposed to be here and what was going to happen because we had no idea in January what was going to be happening um but he knew And he put us here because he wanted us to be here. We intended to do six months of language school in another city. We did six weeks of language school, then came here. We were just supposed to stay a couple weeks, give birth, recover a little, go move back to that city to finish language school. But because of all the lockdowns, even within the country here, we weren't able to travel back to that city. And then while we were here, my husband started working at the hospital. And then we just never left. So we've been doing online language lessons um, it's been different, wow. different than what we planned, but we, we know that God had, God had it all planned out and, um, or at least allowed it all to be what it is. And, um, and so we trust him and move forward. <laughs> wow. Wow. But I know that can't be easy. I actually just talked to a missionary and she said, there's a good plan and then there's God's plan. And sometimes we make good plans and and that's fine, but then God takes them somewhere else. And, yeah, I, I just feel like, but had you have known COVID was coming, that would probably have changed things. So it's a good thing. But even even just to move that, like, yeah, that pregnant, I, I moved twice pretty far along too, um, but domestically. So it wasn't as, um, but I can't imagine, yeah, moving, having a baby so soon after. And so just real quick, you were only in the hospital for three hours. Is that typical in Honduras or was that because of COVID? Uh. Neither, actually. Um, it was because my husband was a doctor. And so we were going back to our house, which was more comfortable for us. Okay. And because he could he could watch for the warning signs, okay. I was able to go back to my house. But normally we keep um we keep people here at least overnight um to check for problems in baby and mama and okay. And so did you have her at the mission hospital? I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have a sweet midwife and one of one of my neighbors is a uh, um she and her husband are both family medicine with OB training. So okay. she and the midwife um, helped me deliver her. It was more yeah. similar to being in the U.S. because it was the Mission Hospital. Yes. Now, talk to me, I guess, just real quick. I know we're focusing on Mother's Day and focusing on mm-hmm. um, motherhood and what you've learned. And um, But right. real quick, did you know your husband wanted to serve overseas? Was that something you were on board with or did God call one of you first and then the other? How did that, how did you guys get called to come? So um, my husband was called when he was about four years old. Mm. He, he wanted to be a missionary and he, t- I think he had a dream. Uh, he told his mom the next morning that he wanted to be a missionary and she was like, okay, sweetheart, that's really nice. We'll just keep praying about it. And he said, you don't believe me, but that's what God wants me to do. And believe it or not, since he's been he's been four, he never wavered from that. He didn't know in what capacity. And later in his teen years is when he kind of um, felt like medicine was the route that God wanted him to take. He's also ordained 
um, in the Church of the Nazarene. So he kind of has several strengths there. Um, and I felt a call to missions, over, most likely overseas missions around 11. I felt like um, that, that that was a step that God wanted me to take. And I was really excited about it as a teenager. Um, I would go to missions conferences where everybody's like, oh, God, please don't call me to Africa. And I'm like, meek, meek, meek. And at one of those, God said, um, but if I ask you to stay in Nashville, which is where I'm from, if I ask you to stay in Nashville and you never leave that city, will you also surrender to do that? Hmm. So that was a hard surrender for me as a teenager um, was, was saying, okay, I want to go to Africa or Asia or Middle East or wherever. But if you ask me to stay and serve you in America, I'll do that too. Hmm. Um, and so when we were both in college, we met in college and we were both in science majors in similar classes. I'm a physician assistant as well. Wow. So we were in a lot of similar classes and that was one of the things that drew us together, that we both had similar callings and visions. Mm-hmm. Um, surrendering to actually leave, like actually pack everything up and leave with three children and pregnant with a fourth one was uh, a little bit harder for me. It took another step of faith, mm-hmm. but it helped that, that it was something we'd both been working towards mm-hmm. for, I don't know, 15 years each. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. Was, I love that. And I love that you surrendered, you know, and I, I've heard it said, like, if you're not willing to minister and serve those in your own city, you know, you can't go across the world. And so um, I think it's awesome that God had you deal with that even before you knew where your assignment would be. Um, mm-hmm. It shows a lot of surrender. And I think it provided the resilience you needed to do this um, very difficult move because I agree. I mean, it's one thing to want to do something your whole life, but when you actually get there and especially with added harder circumstances, it's normal to still struggle, you know, which you think, well, I've wanted this my whole life. Why am I not excited? So thank you for your honesty and, and your surrender. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> um, so you have four little kids and that's a lot. Little kids close together. Can you talk to me about what it's like balancing. Um, and, and I guess with COVID you've probably been hindered in your ministry outside the home. I imagine, I don't know. Um, but you're still supporting, you know, your, your husband and your kids. What, what is it like to balance all that in a foreign country? Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that the doctors here experience, and I think it's similar in a lot of mission hospitals in different places, but they experience a lot more um, death of mm-hmm. patients and especially um, death of children and young adults that you feel like should have had more time. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the ways that I support my husband is by being, I try to, I try to create a home that, that is a retreat when he gets home mm-hmm. and um, try to be emotionally available to him because he needs a safe place where he can say, I have this two-year-old who's, who's dying of this kidney disease. And I just keep praying. And why won't I, I, as I rock my two-year-old, my perfectly healthy two-year-old to sleep, you know, I'm praying, why isn't God healing her? And just being available to work through um, those hard, hard things that we encounter. Um, 
he had two patients die yesterday and that's, it's not every day is not like that, but it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. And they were both young, young, young people. Um, and you do everything you can and you um, pray with their families and you um, try to be God's comforting presence to them. But then when he comes home, he needs comfort too. Mm-hmm. So some days I don't do some days it doesn't work so well when things are crazy at the house and I didn't get everything picked up and it's not a retreater haven when he gets home and he's great about helping as well with at home. But that's my goal my, is to try to be both emotionally available and to create a life-giving, sustaining mm-hmm. home. And with little ones, that's really my focus of ministry. Um, I'm involved in our church. I play the violin and I play in, in worship at our church, which is about half and half local Hondurans and missionary families. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful church. Um, and so I play my violin there and we help with children's ministry and my husband does some preaching, but my main focus is trying to live life here really well, because if the kids and I aren't, aren't thriving here, then he mm-hmm. is inhibited in what he's able to do with Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And that's so wise. And I'm glad you brought that in because motherhood is so important. Um, our, our relationship with our kids, but your relationship with their father, that changes everything, right? Like if your marriage is good and you're creating a, like you said, a, I, love, I wrote that down, like a retreat, um, and inv- you set the environment, I guess is what it is. I've heard it said, like, we are to be thermostats, you know, not a thermometer, you know, a thermometer is dependent on the temperature, whereas the thermostat you can set and regulate. And I do notice the, my mood and my tone and everything kind of dominates, you know, or sends a domino effect, you know, and, and right. like you said, for the spouse that has had a hard day, I mean, I can either say, well, let me tell you about my hard day and, you know, rattle off the, or, you know, you can, so it's, I'm glad you said that because so much of motherhood is your relationship with your spouse. And we, I just want to thank you for the part you do because he couldn't do what he does um, without you. Um, And I think when God calls a spouse, he calls both of you. And so I love that you're embracing that calling. Um, And and realizing your kids are your first minute, you know, your, your mission field and your ministry, um, and then everything else can, um, so it sounds like you're balancing it really well. So you mentioned you are able to go to church, which is awesome. Cause I know COVID has probably hindered some of this, but what have you learned from mothers in Honduras? What, what is different about their mothering and maybe what have you embraced from the culture Mm-hmm. Um, into your own home. One thing I think it's highlighted for me is how um, I think as an American, um, I'm I'm distracted a lot either by mm-hmm. my phone or by um, my own thoughts. The mothers here don't read a million blogs telling them how mm-hmm. they should be the perfect mother or what they should do. I, I think. And some of those are great. And I've gotten great ideas Mm -hmm. from some godly women that I read their blogs. But I think that it unconsciously also adds some guilt for things that I'm not doing um, or choosing to do differently even. 
but they haven't read all of that. So they may feel guilt from, well, I don't, I'm not doing it the way my aunt did or my mother or my grandmother, but mm-hmm. it's a much smaller pool mm-hmm. that they're, they're drawing those shoulds from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they, in general, they seem to be more, more free. Um, they're also, this culture is very relationship oriented being late is fine if you're late because you stopped and talked to somebody on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tend to be a little bit more type A goal project oriented. And in motherhood, especially that worked fine when I was a PA, mm-hmm. but as a, as a mother, uh, I feel like there's a need for me to be much more relationship oriented. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm, I'm learning from them and it's very rude to not stop and greet everyone that you see and tell them, have a good meal or how are you doing today? And really stop and listen to their answer. And I think that that's something that in our, there's strengths and weaknesses to, mm-hmm. to different cultures. Um, and I think that that's a, a strength it has weaknesses that come with it, but that's a strength of this culture is that they're very relationship and they really care about their, their neighbors. Um, their pool of neighbors is smaller maybe than the average person in America. Cause they don't drive to here and drive to there. It's mm-hmm. literally the community that they're living in because they walk or bicycle most places. Um, and so I'm, I'm learning about slowing down some mm-hmm. um, focusing on what's in front of me be it my children or someone at church. And um, I'm also trying to cultivate a, a quiet, a quieter mind um, that is, is able to focus wholly on whether it's my time with the Lord or with a child. And um, it's difficult as a missionary because a lot of our communication is over screens, mm-hmm. um, communicating with parents, friends, family, donors, but I still want, I still don't want to be constantly distracted by my phone or a screen. I want to be able to engage, um, engage with the Lord and not be distracted, engage with my children, engage with my neighbors, um, be that other missionaries or Hondurans that live near me. Mm-hmm. I love it. It sounds, I love how you said that they're more free. I think, yeah, simplicity does bring freedom and it sounds great. I'm like, I want to move there. That sounds great. Cause I do, I, I, I'm convicted all the time that, and I'm not even a type A person, but I, the more with the kids bring that out in me, like, no, I got to get something done. And it's like, God's like, no, they're what you have to do right now. You know, you think of all these tasks and I, that just convicted me, you know, that they are important. Um, so I guess your kids aren't school age. Well, six-year-old. Um, Elizabeth is. Yeah. Okay. So does she go to school? Is there an opportunity for you to go to school? What does that look like for your kids? There is a mission school here that normally is in session. It has only recently been able to start back. It was out of, I guess, shut down for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're homeschooling her right now. And enjoying enjoying that being able to because for us the most important thing is to to disciple our kids Mm -hmm. um and 
for us, homeschooling provides just that much more um, time with them and being able to choose exactly which books we're using for what. And um, some of the literature choices are things that highlight different character qualities or things like that. And, and for us, especially at the beginning, it wasn't an option because mm-hmm. of COVID, but I was also, I grew up homeschooled in the States and really had a positive, very positive experience. And so that's something that I have looked forward to doing with my children. So, mm-hmm. um, but they, it sounds like they, even though you're homeschooled, they have community. They've gotten to know kids locally, mission kids. So do they have a variety of kids and are they learning about different cultures? How are they, are they picking up the language? What is that like for them? They are, they are picking up the language. There are missionary kids close to us. There are Honduran kids close to us. Mm -hmm. Um, We do activities with both. There's also part of this hospital. There's also a uh, kind of a refuge house for um, there's a few children that have been abandoned at the hospital and a few who have really um, complicated medical issues that their parents don't have the education to um, to care for them and asked if there was any way we could help them. So there are a few children that because of medical conditions live at this house that's right next to the hospital and their parents can come and visit them or whatever, because they live in the community close by, <clears throat> but, um, so we can go down there and, and play. They have a huge play set and the kids can all play together. And mm-hmm. yeah. that's awesome. So I feel like, um, so your kids are getting to serve with you. Sounds like you guys mm-hmm. all do this together. You made this choice. It's not your husband working at the hospital and that's it. It is, it sounds like it bleeds into every facet of your life and you are allowing that to happen. Um, so what changes, what changes have you seen in your kids making this move? Cause I think, you know, the United States as great as it is, like you said, it, it breeds busy, distracted. What have you seen or have you seen your kids grow? And obviously COVID has probably hindered this a little bit, but how have you seen them grow and flourish living abroad? I have been surprised at how quickly they have adapted. Now at the beginning, I think with little ones, culture shock looks like more tantrums and more. (laughs) And so we went through a phase of that, Mm -hmm. but they get a lot of time to play outside, which I think is really good for children. Um, They have a a lot of unstructured playtime, which I think is also good for their brains, but they, also have learned patience and that things aren't always accessible in all places of the world as they are in America. We go to town about once every two weeks to get groceries and household supplies. And so they know that if something, if something breaks or if something, if we run out of something, it's going to be until that next trip until we'll be able to get something replaced or, or get more of um, apples or oranges or paper or whatever. We try to, we try to not run out of certain things, but um, they're learning that, um, that we can do without things sometimes. And before we were leaving, we, we sold or gave away a lot of our stuff, including a lot of their stuff. And um, so they're, They're learning life lessons about letting go of things, about living a little more simply Mm -hmm. and about um, 
having patience for things we want, putting things on wish lists for Mimi and Poppy to bring from the States or, um, uh, or waiting till we have another chance to go to town. Um, they, but they're also learning that people with different skin color are the same on the inside as we are, that that is, um, because as children, they don't, they don't learn that skin color means anything until as adults, we teach them they do because kids see, I think the way God sees, they see that there is no, like it, like it, like Paul said, there's no slave or free or black or white. They just see it's another little kid and they're going to play in the sand together. And, um, when they go to that child's house, they see, um, different, different kinds of things to play with or different. They don't see, oh, this person has nothing. They see, oh, they're playing with an old Coke bottle. Cool. Mm-hmm. Let's go fill it with water or sand or something. <laughs> they don't. They don't think. Oh, they don't have the kind of toys we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's something I'm learning, <laughs> or oh, this is they're learning. But, but it's. I think it's good for them to 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 see that and to to grow up mm-hmm. seeing that these these kids play the same way they do. Mm-hmm. No, that is awesome. And I think that's the biggest joy of motherhood is learning from our kids and watching. Yeah. Watching those kind of things and you're growing and learning, just observing. They don't even realize. And also the most heartbreaking is when you see your sins mirrored in your kids. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) And you plead and pray to God that you can grow fast enough that you can help them to not have that same pitfall. And I say all the time, I mean, your first knowledge of that is getting married. You know, you're, you realize what a sinner you are when you live with somebody and it's almost like a mirror, you know, they, but the kids are even bigger on that, you know, revealing your sin and your um, selfishness. And yeah, it is. I feel like they're holding up a mirror all day long, like showing me and God uses them so much to refine. Um, But that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, the beauty. I mean, being a mother is such a high calling um, and it come. it's difficult but it's so beautiful, but you're right. It, it reveals good and it teaches you, but it also reveals what you need to work on and why we need a savior. Right. So how, like, how would you pray? I guess, how would you ask us to pray for the women in Honduras and the mothers? Um, so we'll do that first, but then I also Mm want to know how you pray as a mother, you know, for your kids. And, um, so first, how can we pray for the women of the world, but specifically Honduras? I think um, this is also one of the things that I I pray for the women here and for and for mothers everywhere. But that that God that they would know that God is with them, mm-hmm. um, that God is good, and that His plans for them are good, and that He is with them no matter what's going on. Because, like I said, the doctors experiencing a lot more death of young people their families do too, their mothers do too. Mm-hmm. And it is not uncommon for the women here to have lost a child. Mm-hmm. Whereas at least in my experience in the States, that's much less, mm-hmm. but here it's not uncommon for them to have lost a child, but to, to know no matter how things look, that God is good. That's mm-hmm. true. That his plans for them are good. His word also says that's true. Mm-hmm. And that he is always with them. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine with, you know, mortality rate or just the child mortality rate 
being so much higher. I mean, just how scary, you know, cause I think, and that's what I was going to ask too, how that impacts you as a mother, you know, having your husband come home and say a two-year-old died today. How has that impacted you? I'm sure there's times where you just want to cling and never let your kids leave your side. (laughs) So how has it, how has that impacted your faith and your mothering? I, I know that we were called here Mm. and I know I have to tell myself those same things. God is good. His plans for us here in this time are good. And he is with me no matter what happens, because sometimes he allows things to happen that Mm. aren't happy um, and that don't seem good. Um, Maybe that aren't good, but, uh, but his, his overarching plan in the end, he will make all things right. Mm-hmm. He will punish and banish all evil. And he will, he, his justice is perfect, unlike any person on earth. And he will make all things right. And knowing that and believing that and then trusting, I still pray for his provision and protection for our family, for the people that we know, for the people in the hospital. Um, but knowing that, if or when he allows something um, hard to come into our lives, that he will be with us. He will walk through it with us, Mm -hmm. that he is crying with us, Mm -hmm. that he, um, that he is still good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know I was just reading Daniel three today, you know, when he said to the King, you know, I know my God can save us, you know, from the fire. This was before they went into the fiery furnace. And he said, but even if not, you know, he is still in control, you know, and he is. And I think just having that as a parent, um, I know another one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 40, 11. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm. He will carry them in his bosom. And he gently leads those who are, who have young. Um, and I think I just always have to come back to, they're not mine. They're not mine. They're yours. And even if the worst happens, um, God is, God is in control and you're right. And those promises. And I think, but I, I guess I had to ask because I haven't lost a child. I haven't had a child that's sick. So it's easy for me to say this right now, but I don't know what it would look like if I went through it. And then if they didn't, you know, so I guess that's why I just say, and you're right. You just have to come back to the, the calling, you know, I was called here. I was, even when it's hard, you know, it's that even if not, um, God is on his throne. And so I love those promises you just shared. And, um, again, I'm just so grateful that you're there. Um, in this season, I mean, you are truly in the trenches, the young years of motherhood. What is God teaching you in his word? Right now, um, uh, he's really impressing on my heart to be still and know that he is God. Mm. I tend to put a lot of pressure on myself to get through a certain number of chapters or to pray for a certain, uh, certain people or a certain amount of time. And he's really calling, been calling me lately to just kind of come unhurried into his presence. It's not something just to check off of my list, but to come um, to, I'm, I'm reading smaller sections of scripture and, and thinking about them, memorizing them, meditating on them so that those aspects of, especially Psalms right now, those aspects of his character that David highlights are sinking in to my soul mm. because I want not just to know, I know lots of facts about 
God in, in the Bible, but I want to know him like a friend and know um, his thoughts and his ways in a really uh, personal, deep down in my heart kind of way um, in my soul that knowing how he feels about something almost comes second nature, like it would about one of my kids or my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what he's calling me to be still. I think that's Psalm 46, 11, maybe. I don't know if that. And then also just how much he loves me. Um, because I, that's another thing that I know, but sometimes I'm really critical of myself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm meditating on verses of, of God's unfailing love for me, even when I mess up and I'm upset at my kids and don't show them the kind of Christ-like love that I try to. I just loved everything that Bethany said and the reminder that she gives us is the importance of our ministry as moms. I loved the verse she gave, be still and know that I am God. That verse is so powerful. It actually says, cease striving in some translations. I know as moms, sometimes we muscle things through in our own strength, and it just doesn't work. I'm reminded of that example when you're sitting on an airplane and they say, you know, they're telling you to put your face mask on before you help other people, especially small children. You know, as parents, put your own face mask on so that you can help others. You can't help others if you're not getting oxygen yourself. And it's the same thing with Christ. We have to abide in Christ, remain in our vine so that we can give that to other people. And I know I'm guilty of that. I try to do it in my own strength and I fall short every single day. And I love the reminder in John 15, four through five, that says, remain in me and I in you. Some versions say abide. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I love that reminder. He created us and he loves our kids more than we do. And so by abiding in him and remaining in him, we have the love and the power from him to give to our children. And we need that wisdom each and every day. And before we close, I just want to encourage you, if you don't listen to On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, we have a podcast, an episode for Mother's Day as well over there. I was able to talk to a few other mothers working in the field, and they shared how the ministry and the work that they're doing has changed them as mothers. And the mothers that they've gotten to know um, in the country that they're working, how how it's changed their daily life. I know you'll be encouraged to hear those conversations. Here's a behind the scenes take from that episode. We asked each of them, how their mothers impacted them and what they've gleaned from their moms growing up. Do you have any stories or testimonies or a way that your mom poured into you? Oh my goodness. My mom (laughs) is like, (laughs) she's a hero. You know, she, she brought us up. So my dad left us when I was little and my mom was living in Russia, post-Soviet Union, And she just picked up her two kids and immigrated to Canada when that was impossible. And um, and it it was a long journey. It was a very difficult journey. But in the end, uh, she came to know Christ and she's an all or nothing kind of a person. So when she came to know Christ, it was, you know, he was everything to her. And um, and I think one of the most incredible legacies that my mom has passed to me, and I hope and pray that this is something I will be able to, you know, grow into much more and pass to my children is just the, the, inc- 
the, I don't even want to say the need, but the daily lifeline of prayer. Mm. You know, she was so passionate about God that she did not even keep medicine in our house when I was little. She would just, I remember being sick and she would sit at my bed and pray until I had relief. Whether it was just the time that relieved me or the prayer, I don't know. But but in the end, I can see how all of that prepared me for life overseas because I've been in places where there literally have not been any medical, um, any access to medical systems. So her teaching me that God answers prayer and that mm. you really don't need anything but God. Wow. Wow. My mother has impacted me a lot. Mm. Um, she is on fire for Jesus, has always been, <laughs> um, you know, prayed the fiery prayers every evening. But my mom, there are things that were just the rule of thumb, you know, you, these are things we did as a family. And they really helped instill a godly discipline in me and which I've been able to share with my kids. And these are things my mother taught me. It's like mm. the number one solution is prayer and listening to God. So that she has, she impacted me so much. Another is you can do both, you know, you can, you can be called as a mother and as a working mother, but I really admired her ability to do both. She served in church. She was a Sunday school teacher, very committed um, to child, you know, Bible um, teaching and learning. Um, and then she was a school teacher and she was a mother of many children, you know, and just being able to, to do that with grace and joy, I really, I learned that from her. So these are things I've learned from my mother. It's just that godliness, you know, that, that God, when you put God first, um, he's given you the grace to, to, to be a mother, you know, and to, to be a teacher to your children. Um, and you just put it in his hands and he will guide you. Yes. I make it sound simple, but it's not always that simple. <laughs> <laughs> My mother is an expert at serving others. Mm. And she puts herself in the posture of a servant frequently. And I learned from her what that looks like and the kinds of, she's very good at hospitality as well and making people feel welcome in her home. And I learned the kind of details that you can, can look at or prepare that make the difference between um, someone feeling adequately welcome and, and expertly welcome, welcome in your home. Mm. Um, and just the, um, the focus on, on putting others first and on, on serving is something that, that she really, really taught me um, the mm. hospitality and, and that aspect. And many other things, but... Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining us today. I truly want to say happy Mother's Day. I hope that this encourages you, um, especially if you are in the trenches, you're in the, the early years of parenting that is physically draining and daunting. And I know when, when I was 
changing diapers and not sleeping, you know, I would kind of roll my eyes when moms would say, oh, enjoy every minute. You know, the days are long, but the years are short. And I just say, what? Uh, but now that my kids are a little bit older, I look back and I, I miss those years. I miss the diapers. I miss the strollers and the, the waking up um, and the snuggles with the babies that, that need you for, for everything. Um, and so I just want to, to remind you that God sees you. He sees this holy work that you're doing. No one else maybe will say, say anything or thank you for what you've done, but God sees you and that's enough. You are truly doing holy work. Um, and so enjoy those sleep-deprived diaper days. I truly miss the baby Bjorns and the strollers, but God is teaching me to enjoy and embrace the season that I'm in and to not grieve and long for what was, but enjoy where I am now. And so I also hope this encourages you to reflect about your own mother and, and to call her if you're able or, or write her and tell her the impact that she's had on in your life. You know, so many memories flood to my mind when I think of my mother. I have such a godly mother um, who still uh, disciples me to this day. But, but often I think of my early years, you know, in high school when I was really growing in my faith. And, and she would challenge me, um, not with her own advice or her own words, but with God's word. And, and one verse in particular um, she gave me in high school, it was 1 Corinthians 10, 23, that says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. And I remember that just helped shape my all the decisions I made from there on out, you know, that even if the world was saying it's okay, or maybe it was legal, or it was in the world's eyes okay, it might not have been beneficial. Uh, for building me up. And that just changed um, a lot of what I thought and did. And again, my mom just taught us how to read and study God's Word. And she was constantly teaching, even pulling in neighborhood kids. And she would make her own little flannel graph. And we actually have a little Christmas story that she made uh, for me and the kids that we bring out every year. And she just taught me how to to pray and read God's Word and then share it with others and to be a teacher. And so it's stuck with me even to this day. Um, so I just encourage you to think back and reflect on what your mom's done in your life. And again, if you want to go to On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, we have an episode with many more um, conversations with those wonderful women that you heard, just the little clips from at the end of this episode. So I encourage you to go listen to that episode. Thanks again. Happy Mother's Day and God bless you. Mm-hmm.